Very good. Let's go ahead and jump into the message this morning. We are talking about this idea, this, the new series that we've kind of begun to talk about is this idea of, of moving towards maturity. Uh, we've been looking at kind of some ideas and concepts about movement and how God wants us to grow and move towards those things. Last week, we kind of started kind of on the beginning of that, kind of gave a, a out, not an outline, but kind of the, laid the groundworks for what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. We looked at, at basically our, our main verse, kind of our series verse for the entire series, and it's in Hebrew. Hebrews 6.1, the first part of that. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, open them up to that or your phone. And Hebrews 6.1 says this. It says, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Last week, we kind of talked about how how we're going to look at some, some ideas and some habits and some, some disciplines that we can use, that God wants us to use to move us towards maturity, to not just be stagnant in our faith, not just be stagnant in our growth, but actually be moving and active towards the growth and the things that God wants us to do. And as we kind of, kind of really begin to move into those habits and disciplines, the, the thing that I think we have to really start with is something that I believe is very vital. Something that if we don't accomplish this or we don't work towards this, what we're going to find is that stagnation will come. And when it comes, it'll come in a very powerful way. And so a lot of times when I'm talking with people or, or ministering to people or counseling with people and, and their lives are kind of in that stagnant place, whether it be spiritually or emotionally or, or whatever it might be, I always talk about this particular thing because it's so vital and it's so important. And I know that for some of you, you may like, are you going to talk about this again? And the answer is yes, because it's vital to your growth. It's vital to your relationship with the Lord. And here's the deal. When you talk about movement, and again, we're going to kind of be using movement as kind of a metaphor or something to help us understand the growth that God wants us to do. Movement is important, but movement comes because you have put the right fuel into the thing you're trying to get to move. If you want to work out, guess what? You're going to work out faster, more, and get stronger if you fuel right. If you go get into your car and you drive it and drive it and drive it and that little arrow gets to the E and it stops running, you're going to have to put more fuel in. Fuel is vital to movement. Without the right fuel, without putting fuel in, you will eventually come to a stop whether it's physically, whether it's in your car, or spiritually. And what I have found in my life at times and the lives of others is we think that we can continue to move towards God and the maturity that he has for us and the growth that he has for us without putting the proper fuel in. We think that it can just magically happen or because God wants it to happen, it will happen and we don't think we have to fuel the thing is, if you put the right fuel in, you're going to find a major impact that's going to take place in your heart and your life. I, I know about you, but I go to the, the gas station like everybody else, and I look and I see some of these weird things on the gas station pumps. I see an 86, sometimes I see it, depending on where I am in the country, sometimes I see an 87, sometimes I see a 90, a 91, and those are octanes, and you can decide what type of octane you want to put in your car. And I know even there's some places around town that you can go and you can get super octane. Not this, not this 86, 87 stuff, but like 92, 93, and even more than that. Some really strong 
fuel. And here's what's great about what we're going to be talking about this morning. This isn't 86 type fuel. It's not just regular unleaded. When we take these things and we apply these things into our life, these are things that are going to get us moving so much quicker and so much better than if we just put in the normal things that we can do on our own or with our own desire for growth and for movement. We need to put in the right fuel. And when we do, it will literally change our lives. But we have to put in the right fuel before we do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, as we, we begin to break down these things, God, I pray that you would help us to see what the Holy Spirit would want us to see. That we would be able to apply these things to our heart and our lives so that we could continue to grow. We wouldn't be stagnant, but yet we would be a people that are growing in you, maturing in you as you have for us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In your notes, I just put it very plainly so you could get it and see it. As we move towards maturity, movement requires fuel. So wherever you find yourself in your relationship with God, it is important that you fuel yourself with the Word of God. That is the fuel. That is the high-octane stuff that your spiritual body needs to move towards maturity in the way that God wants you to. Without the right fuel, you'll find yourself not moving, you'll find yourself stagnant, and you'll find yourself not accomplishing the great things that God has in store for you. Look at Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah is one of the, if not the longest books in the Bible. Most people don't know that. They think Psalms is because of all of the, the verses and all the Psalms. But actually, as far as basically the, the, the denseness of it, Jeremiah is the longest book. And in Jeremiah, he's been telling these people and sharing what God has placed on his heart in a very difficult time. In fact, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because of just the, the amount of turmoil that his nation and himself dealt with during this time. But look what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 15, 16. He says, when your words came, I ate them. I ate them. He said, and they were my joy and my heart's delight. Now, this is important to remember. Remember, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He had to prophesy some very difficult things, some very hard things. He had to experience some very hard things. But when God's word came, he literally says, I ate them. I allowed them to fuel me. And because of the fuel that they produced in my life, in my heart, they were my joy and my heart's delight. For some of us, we don't look at God's word that way. We look at God's word as something that we do every once in a while or something we hear about once a week. We don't look at it as God intended for it to be in our hearts and our lives. Something that we eat, something that fuels us, something that nourishes us, but also something that is our heart's desire and our heart's joy. It's something that God desires to do. Look at Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, we see another prophet sharing some very interesting words. He says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Now listen to what God says here in verse 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper 
everywhere I send it. So in this picture, God is basically saying, listen, look, look at nature. Look at how I created things. When it rains or it snows, it gets there and that comes and it waters the earth. And because of that, because of the, the nutrients and the excuse me, the things that happen because of that, there's things that grow, things that are fed. We see all of these things in God's perfect creation. And so God's saying, hey, my word's just like that. When you take it and you allow it to nourish you, when you allow it to, to come down into your life, things will grow, things will, people will be fed, you will be fed if you allow it to happen. If you will be willing to let that snow and that rain penetrate your heart and your life. It's so important that we do that because we can move towards maturity and get closer to Jesus by fueling our life with God's word. Fueling our life with God's word. But here's the deal. Here's the thing that I have found, again, in my life and in others. We tend to use some spiritual fuel substitutes, okay? We tend to do this. We tend to say, you know, God's word's great, but we tend to use some substitutes. Now, listen to me. You need to understand this really up front. I'm going to tell you this way up front. These things we're going to share are not bad things, Okay? These are not, the, I mean, you're going to see in a minute, you're going to be like, whoa, like, like I shouldn't do that? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these things at times begin to be substitutes for God's word. These things are not substitutes and shouldn't be substitutes. They are things that I believe God wants to use in conjunction with his word. But we need to remember something. God's word is infallible, not these things. God's word is God breathed, not these things. We start with God's word and we can use these things as supplements, but not substitutes. Do you understand? Because I found people that, as not, you'll just talk a little bit in a minute, have substituted these things and these things are not going to be exactly what you need. So let's look at them together. Let's look at some spiritual fuel substitutes. Number one, devotionals and Christian books. Devotional. Now, some of you say, well, I use a devotional. Knock yourself out. Great. Use a devotional. Read Christian books. That's important. But don't let it become a substitute. Remember, that devotional may be great, but it's not inspired by God. Okay? That, 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 that Christian book may be awesome, and God can use a devotional and a Christian book, and that's awesome. But here's what I've found. Not every devotional and not every Christian book is perfect. You've heard me say this. I've probably told you some of the people this in my office. There's devotionals and there's Christian books. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to eat the chicken and spit out the bones. You make sense? Because sometimes they're not perfect. We can use them. But here's what I found. If you don't know what God's word says... How are you going to know the difference between chicken and bones in a Christian book and in a devotional? Okay? Should we use those things? Absolutely. Can they be a part of your quiet time with the Lord? Yes, indeed. Can, you, can God use them to minister to you and to help you and the Holy Spirit use those things? Absolutely. But remember, we're talking about substitutes. These are supplements. Let them be a supplement to your life. 
Number two, other believers. Other believers. Then something happens, something goes down, whatever it might be. And you know what you tend to do? We run to people. Now, is that wrong? No. No. Iron sharpens iron. We should look to others for help and wisdom and direction. That's a good thing. But again, people, sometimes they mess it up. Sometimes even in their desire to get it right, don't always understand things correctly. We start with God's word. We allow God's word to be that fuel. Can we go to others and share life with them? Absolutely. Does God tell us to do so? Yes. But listen, I know for sometimes in our lives and others, we spend a lot more time talking to others about our situations and our problems than going to the Lord and his word about them. Because here's what I found. Some of the things that we talk about with each other, we don't need to talk about with each other because God's word is very clear on those things. We can share, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with this. I need some prayer in this area. But at the same time, God's word is very clear on some of those areas. And we can share those things with each other. Hey, I'm struggling here, but I know what God's word says. Number three, serving, giving, attending, and sacrificing. I was trying to kind of figure out how to word all those together. And I, 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 was, I, I was thinking about maybe putting like Christian works or something like that. But I kind of was like, nah, I'm just kind of got to break it all down. Here's what I found, okay? Here's what I found. All those things, again, everything we've talked about in these ideas are good things. But I have met some people in my life, I know sometimes I have been this way too, where I think I can work my way to maturity, if I did enough, if I served enough, if I gave enough, if I attended enough, if I sacrificed enough, somehow that would produce maturity in my life. Now, here's what I found. It doesn't work that way. A lot of you know that, and I, I didn't want to talk a lot about this throughout the message, but it, it just kind of fits where, you know, I, I did this, I do these bike races, and fueling is very, very important to that. And I remember I've, I've kind of looked over the last couple of years, like, how do I fuel? How do I handle this? What do, what do I do? And, and here's what I found over and over and over again, spoken in many, many different ways. It's simply this. No matter how much I exercise or prepare for something, I can't outwork a bad diet. I can't outwork proper fuel. Here's what I mean. Like you can, you can say, hey, I wanna, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start working and I'm going to out and I'm going to do all these things because I want to lose 10 pounds, 5 pounds, whatever you want to do. You know what won't work? You can't go to the gym for an hour and two hours and then leave and then go eat whatever you want, how much ever you want. It just doesn't work. People have said they found out. Like, listen, you have to understand. Yeah, you, you got to work some in the gym, but also what you put in your body can matter more. You can't outwork a bad diet. And it's the same in our spiritual life. You can't outserve a bad diet. You can't outgive a bad diet where your fuel is not God's word. Here's what I found. You want to do better in serving? You want to do better in giving? You want to do better in attending? You want to do better in sacrificing? All these things are important. Start with God's word. 
Because when you read God's word and understand God's word, all of those things, those Christian works that we're not saved by, but are fruit in our lives, begin to come in even a greater abundance. Remember what Isaiah said. He says basically the rain comes down, it waters the ground, and then things grow in your heart and in your life. You can't outwork a proper spiritual diet of God's word. And I know that people try. They try. If I just gave a little bit more, if I just served a little bit more, we're not going to see the growth that God has for us if that's all we're doing. These are supplements. They're things that God takes and applies and helps us with his word. They cannot become the main thing. We can't let it happen. So next, let's talk about the movement of God's word in our lives. Like, like okay, so oh, I know I need to grow. I need, I know to look like, but, but what does it actually kind of look like? How, does, how do we take this concept? I know I need to read God's word, and we're going to get into kind of some application stuff at the end. But, but what does that look like? How can I kind of take a litmus test in my heart and my life of where I am at in God's word? Well, I want to kind of break that down for you. I want to give you something that you can take and use today, hopefully for the rest of your life, to kind of give yourself a spiritual temperature of where you are at. Now, here's the deal. We're going to talk about three different things, and we're going to break these down, and here's what's great about these areas. You're going to find yourself moving in and out of these areas all the time. Because again, it's movement, okay? The issue is, is when you begin to live stagnantly at one of these places, okay? And I'm going to give you kind of in order how they typically come and how, the, 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 you know, how it moves. But at the same time, you are going to go back and forth a little bit. And since we're talking about fuel, I thought we'd kind of talk about food and kind of that idea and that concept. So the first place that most of us start is the idea of the high chair. Okay? The high chair. Okay? Now, I remember many of you do as well, whether you have grandkids or nieces or nephews or own kids. You know, like there, there's something fun about the high chair time you know, especially for dads, okay, you know, depending on, on what you guys decide to do with your kids, you know, like, w w when, when they're real young, you know, dad kind of gets to just kind of hang out, you know, a little bit, so the feeding and things like that are a little different, obviously, but, but I remember when Easton, like, first got old enough to get into the high chair, and man, that was fun, because first of all, you know, you, you, have, a, you have a kid that you put in a high chair, and within 3.8 seconds, he's filthy, or she's filthy, I mean, you know, so you put all the food out, and they just begin to kind of, you know, hopefully get it in their mouth. Most of it goes down, you know, the, onto the ground or hopefully not in their nose or something like that. But, but, you know, they begin to eat it and things like that. Here's the thing about high chair, especially when you're, you're young. Number one, you can't get into the high chair. Like you have to be literally picked up and put in. You cannot produce your own food and make your own food when you're, old, when you're basically in the high chair. You are completely dependent on someone else to produce the food, to serve you the food, your job at that point, and even so, sometimes in the high chair, this doesn't even happen, is to take the food and put it into your mouth. But even sometimes, kids that are really young and sitting in the high chair, what do we do? We get the airplane out, and, you know, and we, we feed them ourselves. Now, here's the deal. No matter where you are in this portion of time, there are times and seasons of your life 
where you go back to the high chair. But I kind of look at it this way. It's not so much a high chair experience. It's more like a restaurant experience, okay? It's, you go and you sit down and you are presented with food and you eat that. Guess what we're doing right now in a lot of ways? This is, this is what we're doing right now. I have come, I have prepared to the best of my ability a meal for you, and now I am serving you that meal. And my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is helping you to take that information and that, 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 that the Word of God and to digest it, let it nourish you, let you grow in that area. But in some ways right now, you're at the restaurant or the high chair, okay? So we do move in and out. The second thing we move to, we go from the high chair, then we move into the kitchen, Okay, we move into the kitchen. The kitchen is kind of a different place. Okay, now a, a couple of years ago, my wife and I were talking, and life had just gotten really busy. And she said, "Listen, Aaron, listen, I need some help." And I said, "What can I? What, what can I do to help you?" She's like, I, "I need some help cooking some of the meals. So I don't need you to cook all the time, but maybe like once a week, maybe once every couple of weeks. Can you help in this area?" And I thought it was really great because I thought how she, the faith that she has in me to not poison her and my son. But she believed in me. And so I said, listen, I will do that, but I need something before I do that. I'm, this is kind of the way I am. You know, if you want to talk about it afterwards and pray for me, we can. But I say, I need an apron. Because I, I, have, I, I know people that work in the kitchen, and they, they work in the, and then they come out filthy, you know? And so I was like, I need me an apron. She's like, okay, we'll get you an apron. So I, I once a couple times a week, or once every couple of weeks, I go into the kitchen, and I make a meal. We had some friends just last weekend that came and visited us. Some some kids from, I say kids, they're not kids anymore. Oh, I'm old. Um, some adults now that, that were in our youth program and that I got to conduct their, their wedding and they came to visit. And, and I told Emily, like, I, I'll make a meal. I'll, and I didn't poison them. It was great. And so I went into the kitchen and I put on the apron and I began to prepare that meal. And in this context, I began to basically, and this is kind of what I did, even though there were other situations involved, I began to feed myself. I didn't rely on Emily. I didn't rely on others. I didn't go to the restaurant. I got into the kitchen, and I prepared something for me. And for some of you, you have been in the high chair, and that's not bad, but God is saying, listen, it's time to grow. It's time to move. It's time to get out of the high chair and you need to start producing some food for yourself. Because here's the deal. I'm not with you Monday morning or Monday afternoon or Monday evening or any other, most of the other time of the week. And if all you do is sit in a high chair or a restaurant on Sunday, you're going to starve spiritually. Some of you need to start getting out of the high chair and start producing some food for yourself. To get into God's word and say, you know what, I'm going to put on the apron, I'm going to tie it on, and I'm going to start feeding myself as well. We still enjoy the restaurant or the high chair, but some of us need to move into the kitchen and start allowing God's word to be something that we allow to feed us. But there's also a third part of this that a lot of us sometimes miss. We need to go from the high chair into the kitchen and then move from the kitchen to the table. You say, Aaron, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Some of you know this, some of you don't. When I was in college, um, to kind of pay my way through college and have some spending money, I worked as a waiter. I worked as a server. And one of the things that was interesting to learn, because I'd never done it before, 
was how to basically serve food. You know there's an actual way to do this? Like there's a proper way to serve someone a meal or to, to get them their water. Like, like, you know, like, listen, 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 here, here's the deal. Like if you ever go to a restaurant and someone, and you say, can you, can you give me some more water? And they do this, like the cup is here and they go, sure, clunk, like that to fill, that's not good, okay? That might be the time to say, check please and out. There's a proper way to do it. You need to serve from a certain side. You need to do all these certain things. But one thing that I remember was one of the hardest things to learn, because where I was working, there were a lot of stairs, was basically how to carry a tray and serve off of a tray. Because where I was working, I mean, this was, some of these plates were heavy. And they always, they, they were, it was a kind of fancier place. They had the, the silver top on them. So, you know, I would serve all the ladies first from the left, and then I'd serve all the guys, and I'd leave the metal top on, you know? And then I'd walk over and I'd go, it was fun. But for some of us, it's time to pick up the tray. It's time to start not just producing a meal for yourself, but one for others. And here's the deal. That can be scary. Because here, I can make something for Aaron, and I'll be like, eh, that's good enough. But when you bring somebody else into your home, and you set them down in your table, and you produce something, like, there's a little difference there. Like, you want to make sure it's just right. It's cooked just perfect. And a lot of us will allow the fear of perfection to keep us from serving those that God has placed at our table. You say, Aaron, I, I, can't, I can't get up and speak a message up here. Listen, maybe that's not what God's asking you to do. But here's what I do know. Here's, here's what I promise you is at your table. Your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, your, the people in your, your friend group. These are individuals that God has strategically placed in your life that you need to move into serving with God's word. You say, Aaron, what does that look like? Sometimes it's simple as this. Hey, you know what, sweetheart? I was reading this in God's word, and this really spoke to me. What do you see here? Or I believe God is speaking this to me. Or I see this or that. Maybe for some of you, it is leading a community group or, or, or doing something of that nature, or even speaking on a Sunday morning. But for a lot of us, we're not even doing the simple things. We're not bringing food to the people in our own home and it starts there it starts there and so for some of us we need to get from the kitchen leave the apron get the tray and start bringing God's word out to those that God has placed in our lives in Hebrew 5 12 through 14 we kind of see a little bit out of order but we see this progression that I believe the, the writer of Hebrews wants to, us to see listen to what it says starting with verse number 12 it says you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. That 
is the progression that God wants to be in our life. Now, again, listen, you, listen you know, I, I, every Sunday, I, again, I try to bring forth something for you to, to eat from God's word. But you know what? There are times where I need to sit back as well and go to the restaurant and let others speak into my life from God's word too. We move in and out of these things all the time and should. But listen, if you are a mature believer, if you, if you are someone who is growing, these areas, all three, need to be a part of your life. You need to feed yourself every day. You need to be willing to do that. You need at times sit and allow someone to prepare a meal for you. But you also need to be the type of person who will pick up the tray and serve God's word to others in your life. This is the progression. This is the movement that God has for us. It's in your notes. In our movement towards maturity, God is wanting us to move from the bib to the apron to the tray. The bib to the apron to the tray. Spiritually speaking, do not believe the lie that comes from the enemy that says, you know what, the bib is fine. You know what, maybe even the apron is fine. But you know what, you'll never be able to give the tray. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We all have the ability with God's help and God's leading and God's training, as it said in Hebrews 5, to be able to produce a meal for others in our hearts or in our lives. It's important. So not only are we doing this to help ourselves grow, but God wants to use you and me to help others grow. So they can also have that fuel that you would be a person that would bring that fuel to people and help God to change their lives because they're getting the right fuel in them from God's word. To close, I want to give us some, some application points this morning. I want to look at seven ways to get constant fuel of God's word into your life. Because again, remember, we've talked about this before in many, many different areas. You can't give what you don't have. You want to have that, you want to move from the bib to the apron to the tray. Listen, you need to get God's word in you so you have something to work with. So you have something to prepare because of what God is doing in your life. Some of these seven are very simple, and, but, but they're all a part of how God wants us to grow and get that constant fuel in our hearts, in our lives. In fact, this is something I actually shared several years ago when we were talking about this. And as I was kind of looking at what to share this morning, I was like, this, this is perfect. We'll just use it again. We can hear it again. It's important that, because I know some of you weren't here a couple years ago. But I think it's important that these are some ways that get us into our hearts and our lives. So number one, you got to read it. you got to read it. Okay? I'm kind of old school. I like kind of the onion paper sound and all that. But you know what? Whether it's on your phone or whatever, you got to read God's word. Look at 1 Timothy 4.13. It says, until I get there, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, focus on reading the scriptures to the church encouraging the believers and teaching them. There is something about reading God's word because it's powerful and it's living that we need to understand. So you've got to read it. You've got to spend time looking over it. But not only do you need to read it, you also need to hear it. There's something different in the brain that takes place. You read it, but you also hear it. 
it's important. Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. One of the great things that you can do is just because we have this technology now is basically you can get Bible apps. You know, I remember when, when I was a kid, my grandparents went out and bought like the Bible on tape. You know, cassette tapes. Yes, yes, cassette. And I remember like my grandfather would just have that on. And I, I don't remember, I may be wrong here, so don't quote me on this. I think it was like Charlton Heston reading the Bible. Yeah, so it's like really, you know, let my people go. I mean, that, you know, so it was always really good around Exodus, you know. But he would just listen to Scripture. Listen, you have that ability on your phone if you have some of the Bible apps. There is literally, and it'll read it to you. There's something about hearing God's word. Not just reading it, but hearing it. And here's the thing, all seven of these, they all work together, okay? They all work together. So hear it. Number three, apply it. Not just hear it, not just read it. You've got to apply it. James 1, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Listen, if, if you hear God's word and read God's word, but don't apply God's word, you're wasting your time. We have to be willing to take what it says and apply it to our lives. That's that concept in some ways of, of, of producing things for others and allowing what God is doing in you to transform your heart and your life. Number four, number four, memorize it. Now, I get this. This, this, is, this isn't easy for us anymore. Because before, we were all, listen, we were all really, really good at memorizing things. All of us. You may, I don't have a very good memory. No, you were good about 30 years ago. Here's what I mean. I was born at 404 Grant Court, Lee Summit, Missouri, 64063. My phone number was 816-524-9102. How do I know that absolutely worthless information? Because I memorized it as a child. You say, that was the first house I lived in, and that was my phone number. Listen, if I asked you right now, and I'm not going to do it because I would be really mean and probably you would throw something at me, but if I looked at you really quickly, and just imagine I'm saying your name right now, and I said, okay, blank, I want you to tell me your, your, your wife or your husband's phone number. Now, go. Could you do it? Could you give your wife or husband's social security number? Go, now. Well, I have it in my phone. Now listen, why do we memorize things? Spiritually speaking, we don't always have our phones. God wants us to memorize his word as well. Not just read it, not just hear it, not just apply it, but memorize it. Look at Psalms 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up. I've memorized it. I can recall it because I've stored it there. Like, listen, a lot of us, we store this information in our phones. And when we have our phones, we're fine. But sometimes, spiritually speaking, when I'm trying not to sin against God, my phone isn't around. 
So I've got to be able to bring forth those things in the right time, in the right moment. And I think for some of us, we have lost the art of memorization of God's word. We've lost the fact that God is asking us to store it in our hearts as well. It's important. It's important. Number five, we need to meditate on it. Meditate on it. Look at this. Joshua 18, 6 says this. It says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. And then it says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be be prosperous and successful. The idea of meditating on God's word is very important. Okay? And we've talked about this before. But in some ways, we don't want to turn God's word into basically a check mark that we do every day. Okay, I read God's word, check. Or I read this amount of verses, check. Instead, there are times where I would encourage you to slow down and allow God's word to be something that you meditate on, something that you think about, something that you say, you know what, Father, will you you elaborate your word to my heart right now? There's a lot of people, listen, listen. There's a lot of people that read it, that hear it, that maybe even apply it and memorize it, but they don't meditate on it. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them what God's word is saying to them in that moment. And God wants to do that. Remember, God's word is alive. It's moving. And sometimes... God wants to just say, hey, you know what? Listen, Aaron, I I know you maybe even heard this verse, but I want you to meditate on it. I want you to, listen, some of us have heard these verses so many times that we've become somewhat stagnant and dead to them. The best way I have found to combat that is to meditate on those words. God, when you say, listen, What's the verse everybody knows? John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? Great verse, right? We always talk about it. Football games, signs are held up. Have you ever meditated on that verse? For God. God. Not something else. Not someone else. God, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, the God that spoke the world into existence, that breathed into dirt on the ground and man was formed. That person, that God, that strength, that magnificence, that God so loved the world. Who's the world? You're the world. I'm the world. Every person in the world, every person that's ever lived, will live or could live. Those are the individuals, the good people, the bad people, the people in the middle. Those people. He so loved those people that he sent his only son. He didn't have five. He didn't have 10. He didn't have 20. He didn't have a plethora of them. He had one, one special son. He sent that one, the only one. That's meditating on God's word. That's breaking down what God's word says to have the fullness of God's word come alive in our hearts and our lives. Listen, I've had people say it all throughout my entire ministry and beforehand. You know, the Bible's just kind of boring to me. That's because you're not meditating on it. You're checking boxes. God's word is alive. And when we meditated on it 
as it says in Joshua, and be careful to do everything written in it, we will be prosperous and successful. So meditate on it. Number six, examine it. Examine it. And and you go, isn't that kind of the same? It kind of is, but it's a little bit different. Look at Acts 17. In Acts 17, 11, we see the Bereans, and, and we see this said about them. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures daily or every day to see if what Paul said was true. When we examine, we're doing something a little bit different. Yes, it's more in-depth. Yes, we're spending more time. But listen, when the Berean Jews were doing this, they were examining the scriptures for themselves. They were saying, God's word, what is God really saying here? Is what Paul or what pastor is saying correct and true or not? They were examined. You know, whenever I heard the word examine, I always kind of have this idea of like um, one of the things Easton and I have done for now several years is we've read Hardy Boys mystery books together. It's a lot of fun. We're on like 66 of them right now. So we've caught through a lot of them. And one of the things they always do is they go and they look for clues. When something happens, they go and examine the scene of the crime or the scene or whatever. You know what? Not, not that the Bible is a crime, but some of us need to get out our magnifying glasses a little bit and begin to go into God's word and examine it that way. God, what are you showing me? God, what do you want me to see in my life that applies to me today? God, Pastor Aaron shared this message. Is it congruent with what your word says? And not just take what me or the pastor on the television says as truth, but allow it to go back and see it and examine it and see that God's word is what God's word is actually saying. After all of those things, we need to remember the last thing. Number seven, we need to share it. This kind of goes back with that idea of the tray. After we've read it, after we've heard it, after we've applied it, after we've memorized it, after we've meditated it, and after we examined it, we still have another thing to do, and that is we share God's word. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Sometimes it's time to take all these things that God is sharing and to share it. And again, I would encourage you that if this is something that like for you, it's like, oh man, this is different. I've never really done this before. Start in your home. Start with your, 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 your spouse or your kids. One of the greatest joys of my life is every evening after or before, actually, we read Hardy Boys together. Easton and I open the word together and we read a a section of scripture and we talk about it. I ask him questions about it. I tell him what I see. He tells me what he sees. And I'm telling you right now, sometimes his insight put mine to shame. But we share it together. We need to let that be a part of our lives because it'll help us, again, move from the idea of just the bib and the apron into the tray, which is so important. Because that not only affects your life, but affects the lives of the people that you come in contact with. This morning as we close, I just have a simple question for you. Because here's the deal. I really truly believe that the right fuel for movement, spiritually speaking, is God's word. 
I believe that that needs to be a part of our heart and our life every day. And here's the deal. Listen, like, uh, I, you know, it's like people, oh, I, I missed a day. Okay, listen. Think of it if this will help you. Think of this as like in food, okay? Many of us, if not all of us, have missed meals before, right? We, we missed a meal. We got too busy at work or doing whatever, and we missed a meal. And you know what we never do? We never sit down and go, boy, I just failed in this, so I'm never going to eat again. You know what we do? We do something crazy. We eat the next time. Okay? If you miss a time or miss a day, or maybe you go, boy, you know, I really haven't been in God's word for months or years. You know what? Today's a new day. Today you can start allowing God's word to move you towards that. But more than just those things, the question that I want us to kind of think about and be focusing in on throughout this week as we kind of allow God's word to kind of help us as we move into that is simply this. Are you going to be content following Jesus wearing a bib or are you going to be willing to move towards the apron and the tray? Because for some of us, you know, like, you know, it's not a restaurant situation. It, it is literally completely dependent on somebody else to feed us. And you know what? God says, you know, as I move you towards maturity, as I move you in this area of your life, the bib is not the place that I have for you. Yeah, there are times and there are seasons in our hearts and our lives where we have that bib. Where we're at the restaurant. But God is wanting us to move towards maturity in his word. And to do that, we got to put on the apron. Every day, we put on the apron. We get in God's word. We say, you know what? I'm going I'm to have a meal for me right now from God's word. Every day. And then we begin to move into sharing those things and serving others in our hearts and in our lives that God has placed there. But for some of us, we're living in a place of stagnation, spiritually speaking, because we have refused to eat the fuel that God's word provides for us. And I've talked about this earlier. When I talk to people about where they are spiritually, one thing I typically will ask is, tell me about, you know, how much time do you spend in God's word? Tell me about your time in God's word. And a lot of times, I'm just going to be honest, a lot of times the answer is, well, I really don't spend time in God's Word. And just like it would be completely obvious if your car ran out of gas and was stranded, you would realize you need to put gas in it. We need to also realize, spiritually speaking, to continue to move, we need to let God's Word come. Now listen, if you use others and a devotional and Christian books, and, and you, you, you do Christian service stuff, that's great. But listen, that is substitute fuel. That's substitute fuel for the fuel that you really need. Those things are great, but they're supplements. Here's the deal. Every night before I go to bed, I go downstairs, if we have some, which we typically do, I get a glass of milk. And I go up to the cupboard and I open the drawer. And I pull out these bottles, like a multivitamin, some collagen, those sort of things. 
and I take them. You know what you call those? We used to call them like multivitamins or whatever. We call them supplements now, don't we? How do you think my life would be physically if every day and only every day, or only this every day, I got up, went downstairs, got my glass of milk, and took my supplements? Do you think that would be enough? I starved to death. Supplements are exactly what the word says. They supplement something greater. God's word is that greater thing. You want to use supplements? Knock yourself out. They're great. But don't let them substitute for the meat that comes from God's word. And listen, I've talked to people a long time. Well, I don't understand it. I don't always get everything. Listen, can I tell you a little secret? I don't always understand everything either. But God didn't command me to understand things. He said for me to allow God's word to nourish me and to help me. And here's the, what I found. The more I'm in it, maybe it's just a little bit every time, but the more I understand it. And more importantly, the more I understand about who Jesus is and who my Father is and who the Holy Spirit is. So look, I know it can be intimidating. I know it can be hard. But this is the fuel your body needs, spiritually speaking, to grow. And if we didn't start here, everything else we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks would just kind of be supplements when God really wants them to come and be something really important in our hearts and our lives. So let's bow our heads. Let's just pray before, and then we'll just head on out this morning. God, we love you and we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. And God, your word is amazing. Father, I, I, it's, it's no matter how many times we read it, no matter how many times we study it and examine it and meditate on it and all those things, God, it just, it's just there's a life to it because it is your living word. We know that all these things will pass away, but your word will never pass away. There's a power and an authority. There's a truth that we desperately need in our hearts and our lives. But unfortunately for some of us, we have kind of thought that it really isn't vital. We can fuel in other ways and still grow. We think if we could just serve enough or give enough or whatever, that, that that'll bring us to maturity, and it won't. We need the right fuel to help us move toward maturity, and it's your word. And so, Father, if maybe we've done a really great job in this area, God, I pray that you would just bring us to a deeper place of, your, of understanding, a deeper longing, a deeper joy and delight in your word. And, Father, if we kind of miss the boat a little bit, that we would say, you know what? I'm starting today. I'm starting tomorrow. And I'm going to start letting God's word fuel me again and allow it to change my life. Because when we allow, we do these things, life change happens. And that's what we desire. We want to grow and change to be more like you. So, Father, I pray that you would help us. We love you. 
And we thank you. You're so good. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, remember, sign-up sheet is out there in the, the foyer for baptismal. If you want ba- to be baptized, please sign up. If you have any questions about that, please come and see me. And also the men's breakfast is coming up and all those sort of things. So make sure you're aware of all those things. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.